0: Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, presenting a series of studies on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in Ruth, chapter 1, verse 14. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Both of them had an affection for Naomi, and therefore set out with her upon her return to the land of Judah. But the hour of test came. Naomi most unselfishly set before each of them the trials which awaited them, and bade them, if they cared for ease and comfort, to return to their Moabitish friends. At first, both of them declared that they would cast in their lot with the Lord's people. But upon still further consideration, Orpah, with much grief and a respectful kiss, left her mother-in-law and her people and her God, and went back to her idolatrous friends, while Ruth, with all her heart, gave herself up to the God of her mother-in-law. It is one thing to love the ways of the Lord when all is fair, and quite another to cleave to them under all discouragements and difficulties. The kiss of outward profession is very cheap and easy, but the practical cleaving to the Lord, which must show itself in holy decision for truth and holiness, is not so small a matter. How stands the case with us? Is our heart fixed upon Jesus? Is the sacrifice bound with cords to the horns of the altar? Have we counted the cost? And are we solemnly ready to suffer all worldly loss for the Master's sake? The after gain will be an abundant recompense, for Egypt's treasures are not to be compared with the glory to be revealed. Orpah is heard of no more. In glorious ease and idolatrous pleasure her life melts into the gloom of death. But Ruth lives in history and in heaven, for grace has placed her in the noble line from whence sprung the King of Kings, Blessed among women shall those be who for Christ's sake can renounce all. But forgotten, and worse than forgotten, shall be those who in the hour of temptation do violence to conscience and turn back unto the world. Oh, that this morning we may not be content with the form of devotion, which may be no better than Orpah's kiss, but may the Holy Spirit work in us a cleaving of our whole heart to our Lord Jesus. (laughs) we <laughs> In midst of this increasingly secularized and materialistic society, multitudes of men, women, and young people seem to have forgotten that they have immortal souls, and that one day they must stand before a holy God and face the ultimate judgment, despite every effort to banish the reality of death from the mind. The Word of God declares it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. How can a person be ready for that awful day? Is there a way to face God without fear? The great 19th century preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon answered this question in a powerful sermon entitled, Preparing to Meet God. Let the Bible Speak now offers a booklet published by the Trinitarian Bible Society, which contains this vital message under the title, Preparing to Meet God. In addition to the sermon text, the publication contains a brief biographical sketch of Spurgeon's life, as well as a schedule for reading the Bible through in a year, all contained in an attractive, conveniently sized booklet. To obtain your copy, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864 864- 244-2408 That's 864-244-2408 If you prefer regular mail you may simply write Let the Bible Speak 1207 Haywood Road Greenville, South Carolina 29615 That's Let the Bible Speak 1207 Haywood Road Greenville, South Carolina 29615 Just ask for your copy of Preparing to Meet God and we'll be happy to provide it. Today on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns brings the next part of a message called The Fruit of the Spirit, part of these studies in the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. The text is in the classic passage on the subject, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. The fruit of the Spirit is that which is grown in believers by the Holy Spirit. Also, though its component parts are listed, the fruit of the Spirit refers to one Christian character— all nine elements are present to some degree in a truly regenerated person. As Dr. Cairns will emphasize, this fruit is a direct result of the believer's union with Christ. Now, Dr. Cairns continues the message on the fruit of the Spirit.
1: The cause of Christian holiness. What is it? Strong willpower. No, sir. The indwelling Holy Spirit of God. There is a secret in the believer's heart that makes for holiness. That's the Holy Spirit. As I said, it's a disaster to minimize the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Christians live today as if the Holy Ghost were only a name. He is a vital living person. The Holy Spirit abides within the people of God and he is that inner secret which produces that fruit in the life. Now there's an encouragement in that Or even the weakest of Christians. You are not left to fight this battle with sin and the flesh on your own. You are not left merely to screw up your courage and do the best you can. But rather, in you is the Spirit of God. And His fruit is produced through you, not by you. Now let's realize this. In John chapter 15, the Lord Jesus Christ takes up this theme of fruit. And he says, "Abide in me." He says, "I am the vine; you are the branches." Now, I want to ask you something. I've mentioned this before. I have to keep on mentioning it. Sooner or later, God will make it click, and it'll mean something to you that it's never meant before. I think all of us have only begun dimly to perceive it. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. What does a branch do to be a branch? What does it do? What does a branch do to produce fruit? The very question shows you its own fallacy. It's not what it does that is basically significant. It's what it is, and where it is. It's what Christ is. He is divine. Look, he says you are the branches. Once the Holy Spirit comes uh, to regenerate you, as we saw, he baptizes you into the body of Christ. He puts you in vital union with Jesus Christ. Now that is a, a fact, a truth that cannot be denied. There's a miracle there. There's a mystery there. There is a supernatural element there. And well, we may say that for salvation is a whole new creation. But let's get this, when God saves a man, it's more than a man walking an night and making a commitment. Oh, that's involved, the commitment of heart, the response of faith, that's all involved. But I tell you, we need to realize that salvation is, is not basically man's response to God. Salvation is basically God's mighty work in Christ applied by the Holy Ghost in a miraculous fashion. He puts you into Christ. And because you are one with Christ, you bear fruit. Why does a branch of an apple tree. Bear apple blossom and then apples closets in the apple tree now we are not unthinking branches Uh, that's only a picture it's not the ultimate reality it's only a picture a branch in a vine or an apple tree is not a person we have personality we have thoughts and we have will and therefore we have got to say yes There are things that can mar your fellowship with Christ and you ought to be careful that you, as chapter 6, verse 8 says, soul to the Spirit. You ought to be careful that you are not introducing into your fellowship with your Savior that which is going to ruin your fruit-bearing capability. Having said that, we must remember that this Whole matter of Christian holiness depends ultimately on our conditioning, in Holy Spirit living within us. That's what it depends on. And that's so simple. You may think I'm laboring the point. I can only tell you don't neglect it because of its simplicity. You may know it up here, it's quite another thing to know it in your heart. When I tell you that it was that simple truth that transformed the life of one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever seen, Hudson Taylor of China, when I tell you it was just before God struggling with all the mighty demands of running and opening up such a vast country for the gospel. There's that simple truth. I am in Christ. I don't have to do anything to be in Christ. I don't have to sweat and labor to be in Christ. I don't have to work to get the Holy Spirit within me. I don't have to agonize to produce fruit. I just be what I am by spiritual nature. He produces fruit. He produces fruit. It changed Taylor's life. It changed the entire ministry and future of the China Inland Mission. And I'm simple enough to believe that it can change your life, and my life, and this church's ministry. Fruit. Very quickly, let me look at the elements in this fruit. There are nine elements, nine in number. And there are three groups of three. Love, joy, peace. It's the first group. And they would speak basically of our relationship to God. Holiness in relation to God. Love, joy, peace. Then you have long suffering gentleness and goodness. That would speak of our relationship to man, holiness in our dealings with man, and then finally faith, or as most commentators believe the word here to mean faithfulness, meekness, temperance. They would speak of our relationship to our circumstances surrounding. This is holiness in relation to life itself. And I say this, you'll see immediately the fruit of the Spirit, the one fruit, one Christian character, yet it touches life and experience at every level. Your fellowship with God must be enjoyed In the fruit of the Spirit. Your fellowship with believers must be enjoyed again on the basis of the fruit of the Spirit. Your reactions to your circumstances, your victory in life must be the result of the fruit of the Spirit. Holiness is not something for church. Holiness is not something for the prayer meeting. Holiness is not just something for the inner chamber. Holiness, my friend, is in the inmost man. Holiness then spreads out to every part of that man's life in his dealings with God, with himself, with his circumstances, and with his fellow men. That's Christian holiness. And it's the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus said that you should bear fruit. You should bear more fruit. You should bear much fruit. It's a sad thing that most people automatically take that to refer to soul winning. Now I believe soul winning is an important part of the church's ministry and it is a fruit for which we ought to look for the preaching of the word of God and the ministry that you give in personal witness. For soul winning is not basically the fruit that he's speaking of. He's speaking of fruit in the branch. Fruit born by the branch. He's talking about the fruit of the Spirit in the life. Now every Christian, I will say this, every Christian shows this fruit of the Spirit. I want you to get that. I'm saying every Christian shows the fruit of the Spirit. If there is no fruit of the Spirit, you may be absolutely certain there is no root of the Spirit. I am absolutely clear in that, because having gone down the list of the works of the flesh, Paul says, They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. They which are always doing these things. People in whom there is nothing of the fruit of the Spirit are not saved people. They yet need to be saved. But you look at the branch, the vine, apple tree, pear tree, anything, you'll see that it may bear fruit. fruit. They'll be in very different stages of development and perfection. Some Christians' lives never seem to get beyond the promise of the blossom. Some Christians' lives don't seem to get beyond the place where the fruit is greatly stunted and really far, far from fullness. Whereas other Christians' lives mature to a great ripeness. Produce a great harvest. Every Christian has the fruit of the Spirit. He must have. Or he's not a Christian. Jesus says, don't be satisfied with fruit. Make sure it's more fruit and much fruit. That there is no hindrance to that. Fullness of the harvest of the grace of the Holy Ghost in the life, In all three areas, with God, your relationship there, and your fellowship with men, and also in your relationship to your circumstances of life. Love. is the first thing in your relationship with the Lord. First Corinthians 13 Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, Though I could preach the gospel with the golden oratory of an angel from heaven, if I don't have love, if I don't basically have a love for my God in Jesus Christ, promise me not. Why can he say that? Because when the Holy Spirit comes to save a man, Romans 5 and 5, he sheds abroad in his heart the love of God. In 1 Corinthians sixteen twenty-two, Paul says, If any man love not our Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. First of God, because the first fruit of the Spirit is love. A love for God, a recognition of Him in His glory, and a, a fixation of the heart toward the glory of God. Then there's joy. What Paul calls in Romans 14, 7, the joy of the Holy Ghost. What is this? It's the exulting happiness of the believer and the certain assurance that Christ is possessed in all his fullness. Joy is not just the Indian smile of the charismatic Joy is not the worldly type of uh, light song that comes from the lips but doesn't touch the soul. Joy is not being able to dance gleefully through life. Four times that may be the case, but joy is the deep inner exaltation of the believer's heart that no matter who is for him and who is against him. No matter how fine his circumstances and no matter how full his circumstances, Jesus Christ is his in all his fullness. I am blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. God foreknew me. God predestinated me. God called me. God justified me. God glorified me. Christ died for me. The blood has been shed for me. The Holy Spirit has regenerated me. The Holy Spirit has seen me. Heaven lies before me. And there's not a power in heaven, earth, or hell that can ever rob me of Christ in all His fullness. I want to tell you when the certainty of Christ possessed grips the heart of joy. That's the joy of the believer. <laughs>
0: listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org.